Don't just long that God take away the circumstance. Long that through the circumstance, your worship ignites. That's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life. Amen. And uh, man, I'm just telling you, I have loved being able to walk through the last two weeks and today is kind of the exclamation point on what it means to have a hope in eternity. What it means to have a heaven out ahead of us of where we're headed. What does it mean that when we wake up and we're struggling in this broken world and there's heartache and there's pain and there's disappointment that this isn't all there is. And all of God's people said. And it's a huge deal that we have hope beyond the here and now. So we're looking today at uh, one last statement about heaven. Um, you know, each week we take a different word that's sort of a negative word, and then we put the hope that's the opposite of it. And the word for today, distracted, distracted, but we have a hope that I will be with him forever. Man, it is so easy to take the things of this world, whether it be the hurts of this world or the successes or whatever, and we make that our idol, and we start focusing on that, and with our distraction there, all of a sudden we lose sight of all that God has in store for us. Our hope is that we will be with him forever. May God get all the glory, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, starting in verse 1. And uh, we're going to walk through the first part of Revelation 22 today. How do we properly respond to seeing this heaven that we have? Number one, look forward to a time that we will see our God face to face. Look forward to a time that we will see our God face to face. Man, as we walk through Revelation 22 today, let it stir your soul to be excited about a time where you get to see your God uninhibited in any way. Face to face, nothing holding back. May God get all the glory, all right? So as we dive in, let's start in chapter 22. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit. And we'll just hold right there. He starts out, then, then the angel showed me. Now, he's connecting this back to chapter 21, so remember what already happened. As John is getting these visions throughout all of Revelation, right? Chapter 21 becomes this crescendo. He starts learning about the new heaven and the new earth. There's going to be a new of a whole different kind and quality coming. A new heaven and a new earth. And it said, and the new holy city, Jerusalem. In fact, he got to see this city coming down. And he got to see the details of it. And as he saw some of what was going on, he was blown away. The angel took him up to this high mountaintop point to look down on, and he saw the holy city of Jerusalem coming down, massive in size, and uh, 1,380 miles on one side, 1,380 miles on the other side. That is a huge, everybody say it's huge. It's a huge city, vast in all sorts. And uh, these gates that are wide open and the glory of God beaming out from the middle of it. This massive thunderous statement of the greatness of God. This glory that is shining out with a spectrum splash of color that will jaw drop us where we stand. 
And then the outside of it, as he's looking down, he sees the wall that's like this transparent crystal that has the spectrum blasting through it. God's glory from the middle beaming out. And as it hits the walls, it just spectrum splashes. And underneath it, the 12 foundations, those filled with all the jewels and those splashing with color of all types, this massive color. Dude, that's just the outside of the building. That's the outside of the city. And so now as we enter chapter 22, he's like, let me take you inside the city for just a moment of a glimpse. So we're stepping in now, as it says, then, we've seen the outside, time to see the inside, stepping into the city of Jerusalem. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. The river of the water of life. There's a river running through the middle of the city. And uh, some would say they believe that this is actually a metaphor to the Holy Spirit, and they get that for a couple of reasons. Uh, One is it says right after it, the river of the water of life, it says, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So you have God the Father on his throne and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the glory there beaming out and the river flowing out from them, okay? And so you see, it could be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? As the Holy Spirit now flowing out, and many would say that, they would go to the symbolic, and I understand that you could actually use uh, John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, kind of supports it. Here's the quote from John 37, or John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, out of uh, the saved ones will flow rivers of living water, you hearing the same words? Rivers of living water, and then just a little bit later in that verse, he says, meaning the Holy Spirit. And so John, who wrote the Gospel of John, is also the author of Revelation, and he used the phrase, river of living water. He meant the Holy Spirit. Could very well be what he's doing here is some level of symbolism, and and I understand that. I probably echo that. You know the Holy Spirit is thunderously moving in the place, right, as God goes massively out. I think this is probably, yes, a meaning of the Holy Spirit and more. Everybody say, and more. I think it actually is also a physical, literal thing happening, and partly just because of the way we're reading through this and seeing it so obviously described, and partly because of how it connects back into Genesis chapter 3. So let's just finish a little bit up here, and then we'll jump to Genesis 3 for just a second. You don't have to turn to it, but I'll read there. Notice it says you've got this river flowing through the middle of the street of the city. That word street there also could mean super large thoroughfare, right? There's this really huge city and down through the middle of it running 1,380 miles is this massively wide road, this thoroughfare. And there's a river running down through the middle of it somehow, Whatever that means, does that mean that it's kind of like this indentation, the water staying within it, or or is there something supernatural happening, but you've got this river running down through the middle of this thoroughfare that stretches across the whole of it, and uh, the river that is bringing this massive uh, dumping of crystal clear water through the middle of the street of the city, and then it says, also, on either side of the river, the tree of life. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, the tree of life. So now you have, picture this giant city, transparent walls, glory of God beaming out, the color splash everywhere. You've got this huge thoroughfare, probably finished a little better than our highways in Illinois, right? And all of God's people said, 
right? No potholes in heaven, man, right? This awesome, huge road and this river pouring down through the middle of it, bringing life and vibrancy and color, crystal clear all the way to the bottom. Have you ever been in water where you can see crystal clear, deep, like 10, 20, 30 feet deep? You can see way down, like that's what we're talking about, super clear water. And coming up on either side of that water is the tree of life. And uh, we actually see in Ezekiel 47, it says there's actually it's like almost like 12 different trees coming up on either side. This collective group that brings the tree of life all the way up on either side of the river, 1,380 miles. Everybody say, that's a big tree. Right? The tree of life massively spread out, just this huge, probably shade-giving and vibrant-giving, awesome tree of life. And it says this tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in each month. So you were just given a little tip as to how many months there are in a year in heaven, if you want to measure it that way, right? As we're seeing 12 months and the 12 fruit. By the way, did you notice how much the number of 12 is used in Revelation 21 and 22, right? And you look at the 12 gates and the 12 tribes of Israel's names on the gates and the 12 angels outside the gates and the 12 pearls, one pearl for each of the gates and the 12 foundations underneath for the 12 apostles that launched the beginnings of the church and on each of the foundations, 12 different jewels splashing color, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12, right? And so how many fruits are there on the tree of life? 12. And the number 12 represents authority and completion, a form of perfection from leadership. It's a huge statement of God's provision into the holy city with its 12 kinds of fruit. And uh, each of them kind of a new fruit each month, right? Just an amazing difference in flavors and colors and splash and you'd be able to, as you're walking along, be able to take one of those fruits down and bite in and enjoy it. By the way, in heaven, whenever you bite in and enjoy and eat something, there's never a moment where you actually say, oh, I ate too much. I, I, I'm such a pig. Like, it doesn't happen. There's no gluttony in heaven. And all of God's people said, right? And so we're going to enjoy it awesomely and not too much. And it's exactly a perfect enjoyment of this fruit of the tree of life. And so now let's talk a little bit about the tree of life. Remember, the tree of life is what was spoken of in Genesis chapter 2. And it was actually the tree that was provided to Adam and Eve. There was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There was the tree of life. And there were a bunch of other trees. And they all provided various forms of fruit along the way. And well, let me just read a little bit of the passage. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 8. It says this, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground... The Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. Every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. It says the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. 
And there it divided and became four rivers. I'll just hold right there. Do you notice a similarity? When you go back to Eden, there's a river that's flowing through. It's coming up out of the ground, but you have this river of water flowing through and out. You have these trees that are being fed. You have the tree of life in the middle of it. In fact, it goes on in Genesis 2 to say, this tree of life, it provides eternal life. There's some level of sustenance of the body. And when Adam and Eve ended up sinning, when they ended up going their own way, doing their own thing, well, the one thing that God did is exit them from Eden, taking them out of that place of that garden with all those perfect, beautiful trees and fruits and the tree of life and the water and the river, took them out, put an angel at, and blocked it down. And he said, why? He said, because if they were to taste of the tree of life and eat it, they would then live forever. There's something about the tree of life that is massively life-giving and sustaining. And he's like, they can't eat of that. We have to pull them away from that or they would live in sin forever. Grasp this. At one level, death is actually a gift. Because it's the end of this broken world and it's the end of sin and pain and sorrow and heartache. And it's the onset of everything eternal and perfect. Bring it on. And all of God's people said. And the tree of life, it was back in Eden. And after they sinned, they had to be pulled out. Now that's the Garden of Eden with the river and the tree and the tree of life. Now we move all the way forward to the end. And do you see what God is doing in Revelation 22, he's going right back to the beginning and he's bookending it and he's like, hear this, in the middle of the city of Jerusalem, I am putting another Eden, a new Garden of Eden and the river is going to be pouring out but it's not coming up from the ground, it's coming out from the throne of God himself. And whether it be just straight up water or the Holy Spirit and water pouring out, there is this massive enjoyment and refreshment. There are trees galore and the tree of life coming up on either side. And there's these 12 fruits that are so tasty and enjoyable, so valued, so appreciated. And we get to now enter in to that new Eden. He's like, listen, here's the story of the whole Bible. I created perfection and I put man in innocence and it all collapsed and the Garden of Eden was ruined. And so what I'm doing in the end is I'm putting it back together. I'm restoring all things. I make all things new. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem and a new Eden. And that's where we're going to be able to reside forever. And all of God's people said, man, don't miss the privilege of absolute joy, absolute peace, absolute perfection, absolute glory, absolutely sweet flavored fruits, provision in every way from God as he's making this city glorious and him at the center of it. It says that there were these 12 fruits for yielding from each month. It says the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree for healing of the nations and and uh, this is an accurate interpretation of the wording there. It might be a little inappropriate though. When we see the word healing, the first thing we think of then is on the other side of it, sickness, right? If there's healing, there must be brokenness, there must be heartache, there must be sickness. And, and that's because in our world of brokenness, if something is healed, it had to come from the broken that we really expect. Every day we kind of wake up going, what's going to hurt today, right? And if you don't wake up that way, I'm glad you're loving your teen years, right? 
Because the reality is, it's just, there's always something, man. There's always something. Yesterday, I'm like kind of limping around. I'm like, I have no idea. My right foot just started hurting all of a sudden. Why? I don't know. Today, it didn't. Praise God. Like, this is the way it goes, right? Like, the reality is, we see God doing things in our world. We call healing getting done with the sickness. But I'm just telling you, there can be a, this word in the Greek is the word therapeion. Do you hear the word therapy in it? There's this healthiness to it. There's this constant taking in that just moves me forward on the spectrum of even better yet. It doesn't mean things are broken. It means that God is providing this awesome therapeutic taking in of the leaves. How? I don't know. Does it mean eating them? Does it mean crushing them? Does it mean putting them in some kind of aromatherapy thing? We don't know. It doesn't say. It just says the leaves have this value that's therapeutic, healthy based, constant, and ongoing. And if you go back to Genesis, you see that that same tree and all that it brings, brings life and life eternal. There is something massive and life-giving in that tree and all of its fruit and all of its leaves. Praise God for that. It says the tree bringing forth this healing for the nations. And if you're like, I appreciate the explanation you just gave, Tim, but really, is there any proof in the passage that there's no more sin or pain or heartache. Next line. No longer will there be anything accursed. Right? John's like, in case you're misunderstanding the word healing there, I'm not saying anything's accursed and I'm not saying anything's broken. I'm saying nothing is accursed. No pain, no sorrow, no heartache, no nothing except absolute peace and joy and celebration forever. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, it says, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. The throne of God, God the Father and God the Son, the Lamb, they will be in the middle of it, and their glory will be so obvious, and their presence will be so known, and we will be able to be with him. We will be able to worship him. We will be able to celebrate him with all we've got, it says, and we will be his servants and we will worship him. Everybody say servant. Servants, he's in charge. He's God Almighty. And we're working with him. We're accomplishing what he wants accomplished. And we are celebrating him along the way in song, worshiping. In service, worshiping. In respect and honor as we obey along the way, worshiping. God's in charge and we're following along with in a massive, unbelievable uh, guidance from him and obedience from us, absolute fulfillment. And we're not in charge. He's in charge. For everybody who's designed heaven in your head and you're like, I can't wait to get to heaven where I get to do anything I want, you're probably kind of missing the definition of heaven a little bit. It's getting a little bit too much about your freedom and your independence and not enough about God and his worship. Know this, man. Heaven will be all about the most stunning being you have ever witnessed in your life, dropping you to your knees in total worship. Always his servant. May God get the glory. It says, we will be his servants and we will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. We will see his face. Now it says actually in the Old Testament that no human being in this current broken down sinful body can see his face or will die. 
In other words, my sinfulness can't handle his sinlessness. His perfection and righteousness and glory would just take my life right where I stand. I can't see his face right now. But then, after we've shucked this broken body, after we put on glorified body for all eternity, after we have no more sin and no more pain and no more sorrow, face to face, absolutely no distraction, absolutely nothing between you and him. All right, I'm going to go this way. I talked about it to myself a little bit and I said I wouldn't, but I'm going to say it. Face to face, like no masks in heaven. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Huge as we get to see him and celebrate him and be with him and nothing held back between us and him. You get to see the smile of glory of the most awesome being you have ever met in your life. Forever in his presence. As we see him face to face, it says, and we will have his name on our forehead, meaning we belong to him, he is ours, and we are absolutely with him. Fired up celebrating that. We are uh, following after him and excited about it. It says, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. Do you remember this from last week? The light of the place, the physical light of the place is from the glory of God. The spiritual light of the place is from the glory of God. The absolute light of seeing in any way, shape, or form is from the glory of God beaming out. No more need for sun or moon or stars. We're not looking around at physical items to provide for us a physical need. Our God is our provision. As we look to him, as we long for him. It says, and they will reign forever and ever. Remember, we just got done saying out loud the word servant. Now everybody say reigns. R-E-I-G-N. Rules has position of authority with. Yes, we are servants, and he invites us up to unbelievable privilege. As we stand with our God and next to our God, being able to serve alongside of our God, not just under him, but alongside of him, as we reign with him. This isn't a place of abuse or misuse. This is an awesome privilege of totally satisfying relationship. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, can you imagine how John felt being on the island of Patmos, isolated away? He took a stand for Christ. He's separated away from everyone. It is a horrible existence. He is living the nasty of this broken world and all the sinfulness of man. And he's being shown this vision. Man, this broken world is going to be done. The pain of this world is going to be over. The heartache of it all being done will be behind us and there will be stunning perfection and glory forever. May we celebrate him. You know, this past week, I, uh, I decided to go out and edge the lawn. Um, I don't do that often. Once every 10 years, whether it needs it or not, you know. I decided to go out and edge the lawn and I've always kind of resisted it just because I'm like, oh, it's so much work and and so I went out there to edge the lawn. I have an edger, so I end up firing the thing up. It took like 12 minutes. I have no idea why I was whining in my own mind for so many years. But like just getting it done, got the edging done, swept it up. Everything looks a lot tighter and cleaner. The lawn looks a little more cared for, albeit a little brown. But it looks a little more cared for, right? At least it's cleaned up lines. And, and uh, I'm going to sweep it up. And I turn around and I look behind the house. And there is, 
I mean black clouds rolling in. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of hot. I'll go get a drink. I'll find out what's going on. So I go inside and I take a drink of water. And I said, hey, babe, can you check and see what the weather is and just see when this is rolling in? That looks bad out there. She pulls it up. She goes, oh, you got like 13 minutes according to AccuWeather. And I'm like, I got to get everything in. I set the thing down, I go running out, I grab everything, sweep it up, throw it in the stuff, get it off to the side in the bins, get everything pulled in. The, I got the shovel and I got the broom and I get the, everything else in electrical and now I'm rolling in the, the uh, cord. I bring it all in the garage. I start to roll it in from inside and while I'm doing it, all of a sudden everything just goes black outside and then like 70 mile an hour winds blow past. The tree across the street starts bending. I'm like, glad I'm inside the garage right now, you know? Roll it all in, get it all set, go inside, take a shower to relax a little bit. And when I come out later on, God had decided to blow through that derecho. Do you all remember that thing blowing through? Did you even know what that was? The 70 mile, you're all looking at me deadpan, like I don't even know that word. It's called a derecho. It was a 70, it's actually 58 to 100 mile an hour winds that are straight blowing. That's why they call it a derecho, Spanish for straight, that were blowing through last week. And we had this huge storm blow, hundreds of miles wide, blow through here for a little bit. And God decided to leave a little gift of glory on the back end of that storm. And I took this picture out my back window. Let's go ahead and throw the pickup. Like, dude, that's some serious color splash. That's the neighbor's house over there. So ignore that. Look up. <laughs> but it's amazing oranges and yellows just popping in the color as God was like, just so you know, this is but a taste of the glory I can show you. I cannot explain to you what it's going to feel like to be done with the storms of life and have the glory of God covering everything as we celebrate perfection. And all of God's people said, huge deal, huge deal. Simple question, are you ready to worship your king? Are you ready for eternity? Are you prepped to celebrate him? All right, question number two, fall on your face and worship the one true God. Fall on your face and worship the one true God. It says, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The angel saying this. These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, he has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. The angel's like, just so you know, everything I told you is from God, absolutely trustworthy and true. All of Revelation, lock it down. Absolutely to be trusted. But this stuff about heaven and New Jerusalem, man, I'm telling you, don't miss it. Then all of a sudden, a thunderous voice comes, the voice of Jesus. You know how I know it's Jesus? Because it's in red letters in my Bible. Like, more than that, though. It says, and behold, and when we see the word behold, it's that we say what? Right, check it out. It says, and behold, I am coming soon. That's how you know it's Jesus Christ. Thunderous statement from the Lamb of God, I'm coming back. I'm telling you I'm going to put an end to this rebellion and this brokenness and I'm ushering it all in to a final eternal kingdom. I'm coming back. I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophets of this book. The words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed is the one who keeps. Let's just talk about the word keeps for a minute. The one who watches 
for the details of this book, the one who observes the details of this book, the one who is impacted in attitude by this book, the one who allows their worship to be stepped up by the words of this book, blessed is that one who keeps the words of this book and with expectation longs for Jesus to come. May God get the glory. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this book, Jesus thundering forth a promise. And then he says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. I fell down and worshipped at the feet of the angel. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. He fell down and worshipped an angel. Like, too often we read scripture and we just accept what it says and we keep moving. Oh, he fell down and worshipped an angel. That's terrible. Shouldn't happen. But why did it happen? Because as he's looking at the brokenness of his life and his world, and the thunderous statements are being made about the truth, and the massiveness of this angel, who knows how big this angel is, but the massiveness and authority of this angel who carries one of the seven bowls, the glory of the perfection of this angel beaming off of him, and all of a sudden the thunderous voice of the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, booms into the place. I am coming back. And he's like, maybe it came from you. And he drops right where he is and starts worshiping the angel like, Maybe this is how good it gets. Not even close. Created being. Everybody say he's just created. And the angel just created. And he's dropping before a created being in worship. Can you imagine when we finally get face to face with the creator who speaks and these things exist? The angel had something to say to him. When I heard him, he says, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But the angel said, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Dude, stand up. That's what he's saying. We stop it. Knock it off, dude. Stand up. By the way, just a little insight to how we should be responding if somebody starts worshiping you in this world. Like, no, man. It ain't about me. It's about my God. Dude, stand up. I'm uncomfortable right now. It goes somewhere else, right? But he's more clear than that. He's not like, I'm just one of you. I'm just a servant. He goes one step further. He says, let me be clear. Worship God. Now, it doesn't say it here, but I think John actually muttered to himself, I thought you were God. Like, I really think that's going on. He's like, do what I thought you were. Like, you're awesome. And like, not even close. Worship God Almighty. May your worship go one place to your king. And all of God's people said, huge deal. And, uh, you know, just jumping to verse 20 at the end here, uh, it says, and he who testifies to these things, Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And John responds, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So we have one job to do this morning, to cry out, come, Lord Jesus. Everybody just say it loud, say it big. Come, Lord Jesus. Louder and bigger. Amen. Say it at home. If you're with us live streaming, say it loud. Say it big. Fill your room. Ready? Say it together. Come, Lord Jesus. Now you get to answer that to each of these statements. Ready? And Jesus said, I will make a new heaven and a new earth. 
Come, Lord Jesus, and I will make a new holy city of Jerusalem. Come, Lord Jesus, and I will welcome you into the new Eden. Loud and big, and I will guarantee no pain, no sorrow, no sin. Come, Lord Jesus. You, you will see my smiling, peaceful face. Come, Lord Jesus. You will be my servants and my co-heirs. Come, Lord Jesus. And you will worship me forever. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. We are ready to be done with this broken world. And we are ready to worship in perfection forever. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 